Amen. Let's hear it for the choir and the orchestra. Aren't they amazing? And you're here. You're here. You know, we backed out of the garage this morning, and Linda said, look at the windshield. And she says, ooh, ooh, what is that on the windshield? And I said, dwindling attendance. But you said, no, you weren't going to be stopped. Uh, and so I think it's great. You know, it, this is part of spiritual warfare. In fact, on Wink News, the, the meteorologist this morning said, ooh, ooh. The weather is not good. In fact, for a lot of you, you'll be going out to church just as the weather gets bad. And so you know what? You probably ought to stay home. I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Can you imagine that that comes in over the, the television? That's the nature of spiritual warfare. Uh, and you said, no way, no way we're moving forward with God. Uh, and so where else are you going to go to church where you're going to get fed? Not just spiritually, but physically. You're going to come here and you're going to go into the kitchen. And so today, immediately after the service, we're going to have birthday cake celebrating the 39th birthday of our director of administration, Edith Lombardo. 39. So I invite you all to come in and have some cake, let the weather die down, and then by the time you get out to your car, uh, I think it'll stop. So let's make that a point. And so here we are, Spiritual Warfare, part five uh, of this sermon series, and I hope it's touched your heart. You can get the missing messages that you may have missed on the website, and I hope you do that. And so here we've learned about all the various pieces of the spiritual armor, uh, and that's the what, the what. But what about the how? How does God want us to put it all together? Uh, and that's what this sermon is about, the, the veritable how. Uh, and so P Paul, right in the midst of reminding us that we don the belt uh, and the breastplate, the shoe of peace and the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the spirit sword, he then says the following in this elaboration, praying at all times in the spirit praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. This is the how of effective spiritual warfare. It's called warfare prayer. Warfare prayer. Warfare to guide you and protect you as the enemies of your soul conspire against you. Uh, it is incredible, you see, incredible to realize that we fight this fight uh, through prayer. That's exactly what happens. It is prayer that ties it all together. It is by prayer that we stand firm. It is by prayer that we live by truth. It is by prayer that we exercise our faith. Uh, and it is by prayer that we lean on our salvation. It is by prayer that we gain wisdom from God's word. It is no wonder, you see, that Jesus himself instructed his disciples uh, and us to pray for deliverance from the enemy. You see it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's your prayer. Lead us not, Lord. Lead us not. Don't let me fall into temptation. 
but deliver me from the evil one in every aspect of my life. And so here's what you need to know and focus on today. Warfare prayer is militant praying, aimed solely at dispelling the darkness with light and overcoming evil with good, advancing the cause of Christ in the world. We need more believers praying in this way. We need them fighting from their knees. Amen, church? And so we need people who are willing, you see, to pray by faith. Look at Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's the kind of prayer you have to have. That kind of strong prayer that, Lord, I'm praying, but I know you're hearing me. And I believe within your perfect will, you will answer it. We need people who will pray in humility. Uh, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, as, we, as in when God speaks to us about what we need to do when we've made mistakes, when we've ventured off the wrong way. Look what he says there. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a great verse that is. Turn from your wicked ways. Bow in humility. He will hear you. He will bless you. He will lift you up. He will forgive your sin, and he will heal your land. What great promises God has given to us there. We need people, you see, to pray with pure and righteous heart, for the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the unright person is acceptable to him. That's found in Proverbs 15, verse 8. And so we need people, you see, engaged in spiritual warfare who will come before the Father consistently, just as members of the early church were known to do. Warfare prayer is not for the faint of heart. It is an act of worship. It is hard work, and it is outright war. And so that's why God calls us to do this. To understand warfare prayer uh, is to understand first and foremost worship. Worship, which we've been engaged with here this first half hour of church. For those of us who have surrendered our lives to God and to Christ and long to have an intimate relationship with God, prayer is the vehicle of choice. You want an intimate relationship with Christ? It's through prayer. That's it. It's very simple. Prayer and prayer alone. Warfare prayer, and listen to this, is not a means of getting things from God. Oh, I need this, I need that, I want this. No, that's not warfare prayer. Rather, warfare prayer is the means of getting to God. You understand the difference? Getting to God, having a deep, abiding relationship with God, asking him for his will in every aspect of your life. Uh, warfare prayer is asking God, you see, to help us get open to his plan. Not begging him to get on with our plan, but for us to see his plan and to align ourselves with his plan. It is worshiping him 
for the very love he lavished on us at the cross on the day of his crucifixion. Even a cursory look at Ephesians 6.18, which has been the predicate of all our studies in this series, reveals just how much work warfare prayer requires. And we have it on the board. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Praying for the Lord's people. That's what warfare prayer is about. That's why you come to church. That's why you're a part of this congregation. You're praying for each other. You're lifting each other up. This leaves little room for what I call half-hearted praying. We are to pray at all times, at all times, in every aspect of your life, whether you're driving your car or walking, uh, in every aspect. You're just sitting wherever you are right now. You should be praying to God. This type of prayer must be a part of our daily lives. Now, how do we pray? What kinds of prayers do we use as we engage in warfare prayer? Well, we pray prayers of adoration, prayers of adoration, prayers in which we, we lift to God because he is. We adore you, God. We worship you. We pray prayers of confession. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Help me, Lord, not to go there again. Strengthen me, Lord, as you wash me. We pray prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you, God for the blessings of our lives, for everything that you've given me, for my family, for this church. Lord, I thank you in every way. We pray on others' behalf. This is a big deal, you see. This is why God has called you here, to be part of this church, to pray for others. That's why the prayer list goes out, and I ask you to look at it and to have conviction in your heart and to pray for all those people who need prayer. We sing prayer. Now, you see, when we start the church service, we're singing. You may think you're just engaged in some entertainment exercise. No, you're not. You're worshiping, and the very songs that you're singing are prayers to God. We speak prayer. We speak prayer, even as we speak to one another, and we lift each other up. The very words that we speak should be prayer words. We think prayer. That means even wherever you are, you constantly need to think about the relationship you have with the Father. You're thinking about God constantly, constantly, constantly. This is what prayer warfare is all about. We allow all of our life, you see, to be about prayer, knowing that prayer is how the spiritual battles are won. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 speaks of this type of effort. It's on the board. Epaphus, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? He's praying for you constantly. Wherever you are, whatever you need, he loves you. He loves the church. His heart goes out and is praying for all. And so, you see, as the saints of God, and you are the very saints of God, we must struggle or wrestle in prayer. It's not easy. It doesn't come easily. Prayer is work. 
It is a mental and spiritual discipline that demands attention and focus and heart. It's not just mumbling a few words, but no other investment uh, is as satisfying and knitting ourselves to the very heart of God and joining him in his kingdom-building work. The prayers of the saints do not return void. And here's the thing, you need to teach your children and your grandchildren how to pray. One of the joys of my life is when I go over to Fort Lauderdale and I have a chance to have dinner with my two-year-old granddaughter and they've taught her to pray. And she sits there and she says, Lord Jesus, I love you, bless this food. She's two years old, but you understand the essence of prayer has come home. That's what you need to do. That's what it's about. It's about attention and discipline and understanding that. And so not only is prayer an act of worship uh, and of work, but it is also an act of war. John, what do you mean? Prayer is an act of war? Yes. Your enemy is out there seeking to destroy you. We're not playing games. He's not playing games. And so the very act of your prayer needs to refute him and repel him as an act of war. And so as it is through prayer, you see, there in our one-on-one -on -one dialogue with God, we now find strength as we go face to face with our enemy. One theologian said this very well about Satan, which I think re uh, bears repeating. It says there that Satan fears nothing from prayerless Bible studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. You understand? He laughs at our toil and mocks our human wisdom, but he trembles. He trembles when we pray and seek the face of God. It is only when we pray that we set Satan back on his heels. This becomes a principal part of understanding spiritual warfare. Jesus said it well in Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray, he said, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak, all right? Yes, you go to church. Yes, you understand salvation. Yes, you want to walk with God, but regardless of all that, the flesh is still weak. You bind yourself with the armor of God through prayer. Uh, and all of this is as true of my life as it is of yours. I've learned over my lifetime, and I have, that any failure that I have experienced, and I've experienced a lot, was because I failed to pray. I failed to ask for wisdom. Uh, I failed to ask God for the proper doors that I should go through. And every time, every time, that I failed, it's, it's a failure of me submitting to God and not listening to what he said. But I've also noticed that the victories in my life are when I am faithful to surrender my outlook to Christ and his lordship through prayer. Uh, and I have a much more agreeable disposition. I have a more God-centered walk. Prayer changes things. First of all, it changes me. You understand? That's what you're doing. You're asking God to change you and incorporate you to be like Christ. And I know that I'm not alone here. Look, the history of this church is borne out by that. Even when we thought 
that we had a terrific opportunity to be in a building in Benita, uh, and it looked like everything was falling into place. <clears throat> God gave us an answer that it was no. I didn't understand the no. I was hurt by the no. You understand I was hurt by the no. How could you do this to me, God? How could you do this to me? Well, I only had to come to understand he had a better plan. And here is his better plan. Here is his better plan. Yes. Look, you can find some incredible examples in scripture about the power of prayer. Uh, one of the great battles of the Old Testament took place when the children of Israel, led by Moses, came against a warrior named Amalek and his fierce fighting force, who had been horrible enemies of the Jewish people. Knowing that a battle was imminent, Moses looked at his aide Joshua and said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Joshua was the chief of the armed forces. Uh, Moses believed that all power rested in God's mighty hand, and so he added, um, this is right out of the Bible, Exodus 17, verse 9, tomorrow, Moses said, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. That's where I will be. In other words, Moses was saying, you go out, you put yourself in harm's way, and I will be back here praying for you and asking God to protect you. Ever faithful Joshua did exactly as Moses asked him. So the next day, the battle is raging. Moses, along with his helpers, Aaron and Hur, went to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses would raise his shepherd's staff, the battle swung in Joshua's favor. But the opposite was also true. When Moses' arms grew weary and the staff of God fell to his side, Amalek prevailed. Can you imagine as the give and go of this battle took place right below him? Uh, and so this went on for some time, for some hours. Eventually, the text tells us that an exhausted Moses uh, had an inspired idea through God. He found a rock to sit on, and he recruited Aaron and her, each to take an arm to keep it held high. And Exodus 17, verse 12 says this, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and won the battle. Look, this is the essence of our church. This is what God has called us to do. We have to hold each other's arms high. You understand? This is not being a lone ranger. It's not being just locked up in your house. It's here, coming to church, being a part of a group of people that are dedicated to the Lord, knowing what each other needs, and praying for them and holding their arms high. You understand, church? I can't tell you how many of you come to me and tell me you've been praying for me. I feel your prayers. Believe me, I couldn't do this job without those prayers. I'm a weak man. It's only by the strength of God uh, and my submission to him that he allows me to preach and sow for you. That's why he's called you. This is the essence of church. And if you're not here praying for others, then you're failing really to do what God has called you to do. You see, it is only with spiritual weaponry 
that spiritual battles are won. It's that simple. Light overwhelms darkness uh, in the prayer chambers that we inhabit. Amazingly, Jesus discloses uh, an interesting byproduct of prayer in John 14, verse 12. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's there at the right hand of God. He's praying for you right now, but praying for you the prayers of, of really of what God wants, of God's will, uh, of advancing the kingdom of God, those things that will glorify God. That's what he will do. And you will do even greater things than Christ did. How can that be? Well, Christ was bound to one spot, but now through the, through the various things that we can do in this world, your prayers can be multiplied over the world. You can, you can advantage the things of God in a hundred different places. God will allow you to do this. There is real power in praying uh, when we devote ourselves to prayer, real power. We need wisdom, you see, to know right from wrong, uh, to go in prayer. Uh, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. When you need strength to resist temptation, uh, go in prayer and ask God to give you strength. When you need release from incredible bondage, go in prayer. Uh, when you need power to overcome evil in every way, go in prayer. Whatever it is that we suffer, we can know triumph in the name of Jesus Christ. When we pray in the name of Jesus, the very forces of evil are restrained. We can call on his resources, on his merit, and on his strength. You know, the early church knew that quite well. They knew warfare praying in an in intimate way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus instructs his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And so he ascends to heaven, and he tells them to wait. Wait, because the Holy Spirit will descend on the church. And as a result of their commitment to pray in the upper room, 120 in the upper room, as a result of that organized, continuous prayer around the clock, uh, thousands of people were brought into the kingdom of God days later as the church received the Holy Spirit. And you know that story. As Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, goes out to the, the streets and several thousand people come to faith as a result of that prayer warrior. And so we read in Acts 2 that as the church became baptized in the Holy Spirit, they continued steadfastly uh, in learning the Bible. And that's what prayer does. Enjoying the fellowship of the saints. That's what prayer does. And, and, and prayer was a regular part of the agenda of that early, early church. In fact, it was the agenda. It was the agenda. And it remains the agenda even today. God, by his spirit, brings people under his submission via heartfelt prayer of the saints. People who pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you don't know this, but about an hour before this service, there's a group of six or seven people that come and pray with me in one of the rooms, and they're praying for you. They're praying for this church. 
They're praying for the Holy Spirit to descend. They're praying that the words that I utter are not the words of a man, but the words of God anointed, so that when I utter it, it touches your heart. It lifts you and elevates you. It's the prayers of those prayer warriors that helps to lift this chair, this church. Prayer really is what opens the doors in our lives uh, that have been closed. That's what prayer does. Warfare prayer, warfare prayer, powerful prayer, prayed in the name of Jesus Christ is the only answer. We know that God flanks us on all sides uh, with his protective presence, as, and we are inviting him to enter in and to be a part of everything we do. Yes, Satan goes about roaming the world like a roaring lion, seeking those who he can destroy. But God's angelic host walks around also. And they seek not to destroy, but to fit us for war. And God is standing above to protect us from the trials and temptations we face. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which assures us, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted uh, beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so there you have it. That's the nature of warfare prayer. God, be with me, protect me, surround me, uh, and keep me from evil. And he will do that, even as he knows that the enemy walks around. <clears throat> now, for many believers, and this is sad, for many believers, the reason for their prevailing uh, prayerless condition, and this talks about churches all over the world, is that as a soldier in Christ's army, they have gone AWOL. AWOL. Away without leave. The possible reasons for this are myriad, uh, and you need to be aware of it. Perhaps they were hurt in church. Maybe they tired of the rules of religion. Perhaps they were discouraged by prayers that didn't seem to be answered. Uh, if this describes you, I invite you to come back. There's a place for you at the table of God. There's a place for you in this church. We've, we've designed this church and, and really put this church together to alleviate those kinds of things. This is not a church of legalism. This is a church about the grace of God. You understand? The grace of God in every way. And so I invite you to come back. Table your cynicism, and I say this to those of you who are outside. Table your cynicism enough to allow God to show you the delight of serving with him in the kingdom of God. Now, many believers do not pray. They simply do not know what to say. They find it hard to pray. And so what I would say to you is that this kind of prayer is a conversation with God. They may stumble around uh, for a few minutes before getting up to go about their day. They stumble around, but they're not able to articulate really a moving prayer. Uh, and then they get despondent over their failure. Uh, and so what I want to say to you is that if this is an issue with you, consider the following. And I would say this is what I'd ask you to consider. Consider the general major subtypes of prayer. First, adoration. Adoration. Praise God for who he is uh, and for his faithfulness in your life. Confession. Confession. Express sorrows 
for the ways you have fallen short of God's will for your life, and we've all fallen short. But make prayers of confession. Father, forgive me. Help me and strengthen me so that I don't fall into these traps. Then claim his forgiveness. And then thanksgiving. Express gratitude, you see, for the specific ways you see God's presence, power, and provision at work in your life. Every single one of you can make that prayer of thanksgiving. God has blessed you in so many ways, not the least of which is that he brought you into this church. And prayers of supplication. Ask God for what you need. Healing for a family member. Peace for a friend. Hope for your own needs. Effectively, we cannot forget that we are at war. We are at war. The quality of our prayer lives, you see, is solely determined by the awareness of the invisible war we are all engaged in. And I hope every one of you today leaves and understands this. This is no mere gamesmanship. If you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, uh, it is true then for you that God has placed you in a specific place and has given you a specific role so that you can play a specific role in the lives of people. God has brought you here so that you can pray for others. God has brought you to a place where you can lift up your family. God has made you the leader of your family, the leader of your community people. He's made you even the leader of your golf club for a specific reason to pray for these people. And so largely, largely we should pray as a means of, of understanding and discovering what is the role that God has given us. Becoming effective prayer warriors, you see, changes the world around us for good. I recognize where God has put me. I recognize where God has placed me, and now I lift up his banner. Look, we pray to welcome God's work in the world. We pray to welcome our role in the battle. We pray to welcome the presence of peace. We pray to welcome the assurance of salvation. We pray to welcome the Holy Spirit's work, to welcome the unbounded joy that God gives us as we join with him and engage with him in every possible way. We are encouraged by others' prayers. We are strengthened by the prayers of others. We are changed by the prayers of others. Uh, and truly, there is not a person in our lives who is not now personally engaged in spiritual warfare, engaged in some sort of battle. And God has called you to pray for them, to pray for them. God exhorts us to look to the interests of others rather than looking to our own. God pleads with us, knowing, knowing that this is our continual responsibility as prayer warriors engaged in spiritual warfare. We must remember that we are praying to a God who hears us gladly. When we come to him with our troubles, we can be sure we can be sure that he will hear us immediately with sympathy, with pathos. He understands you. He created you. He knows what you're going through. And we are promised that our Heavenly Father has the will and the power to act quickly on behalf of his holy people. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Let us all live, leave here today 
committed, committed to being a warrior for God. Amen, church? Let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the words that you have given us as we have a deeper understanding of the role of prayer and what we're called to do, to reach out and raise the arms of each other, to lift those arms up because we need help. We can't lift our arms alone. It's hard work, but you've called us to affirm and lift each other up. Give us the strength, Father, to walk with you, to serve with you, to be responsible to you, and most of all, to pray to you every day of our life. We put all of this, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.